Today's episode of The Razor Show is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think the Patriots tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Welcome to The Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion, Matt Chatham. What's up, everybody? This is The Razor Show. The Patriots are in the middle of a bit of a void here, but they're gearing up for what should be a snoozer of a Monday night game against the Jets down in the Meadowlands. I'm Jeff Howe, along with Nick Underhill. It's the Jeff and Nick version of The Razor Show in the midweek here. And it's been a busy week, despite the fact that the Patriots had a little time off, and we'll let Nick jump on or jump off with the the biggest news, which is a story that he was working on pretty hard earlier this week, and Michael Bennett's suspension. Yeah, I mean, I guess first of all, though, I, I want to say I feel like you'd probably be a little bit more excited about the Monday night game if you could listen to Tessator and Booger. I mean, they kind of like just create this atmosphere. That gets you really amped up for football, and I, you know it's just such a great broadcast. So, I think with us not being able to watch that, it maybe changes the experience, and the people at home are probably very excited to have this broadcast. So, I, I just wanted to start there. I mean, our experience is You're a little a bit different. Human being. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! It's a great, it's a great show. It's it's the premier property of of the NFL. So, you know. They're treating it the way it should be treated, uh, but yeah, the the Michael Bennett, <laughs> the Michael Bennett situation. I I guess I, I would say that I don't think either one of us were probably too shocked by him being suspended for a game contract conduct detrimental to the team after he uh, he he got into an argument with the coaching staff about his role in his playing time. But you know, I think for a few weeks there was probably a lot of evidence and just, uh, you know, he was kind of leading bread crumbs leading up to this moment, you know, a lot of little, not even veiled, but just small little snips about his role. You know, he told Henry, Henry McKenna, who who works for Patriots wire for USA today, you know, he called his role the, the zero role uh, after Sunday's game. When he was asked about, you know, his playing time, he said, you got to ask Bill about that. It was just, you know, a lot of different little things where, he wasn't quite buying into the the company talking points and the way they talk about their roles. You know, you ask Philip Dorsett about his role and it's, oh, I just want to win and we're doing what's best for the team. You ask Michael Bennett about it's his role and and he's, you know, kind of pissed off about it. So the fact that this happened, not a surprise at all. I, I guess the big question is, you know, where does it go from here? Do they keep him around? Do they trade him? Do they cut him? Do they, you know, what happens next? And I guess I'll leave that to you to kind of, you know, speculate on, on what you think could happen next. Yeah, I've been wondering if they were going to trade him for about a week now, and I think this makes everything a lot more complicated. If you were going to trade him, let's say, a week ago this time, you do it, A, to clear cap space, and B, to 
try to recoup an asset. Right now, you'd only be doing it to clear cap space because I'm not sure you can get anything more than a conditional pick for a guy like Bennett who is just suspended and everybody in the NFL knows that he's got one strike left with Bill Belichick. I mean, I asked a team that is typically pretty aggressive with their moves and and certainly has a need that Michael Bennett could fit in terms of what he can do on the field. And the response was, they don't need that headache. So the book is out on Michael Bennett. And this has been a a strange tenure that he's had because he can still play. I think we've both been in agreement that in the first five games of the season, you know, of course, discounting the sixth against the Giants when he played his lowest snap count, despite the fact that his snap percentages were dwindling in each game, I, I thought he was pretty efficient, and you, I mean, I think we're in agreement there. You can jump in and disagree if you don't think so, but it, it's just been very strange, and we can look at the X's and O's part of it and the amount of down linemen that they carry on each given play, which, you know, their front is different this year, and Adam Butler is playing way better than I think anybody ever expected him to. Not that that's didn't, that probably came across as, a shot at Butler, and I didn't intend it to. It's just the the way that he has surpassed expectations reminds me of the way that Joe Tooney took a massive jump last year. So you don't have as much room for, for all those guys. And Bennett has been the guy who has been left out of the equation more than the other three. You include Adam Butler, Danny Shelton, Lawrence Guy. And those are your four traditional down linemen with the types of fronts that the Patriots have shown. And then you mix in the edge guys who sometimes drop into coverage or occasionally drop into coverage. And then you've got, of course, the linebackers that are the strength of your defense and your pass rush. So Bennett's been the odd man out. And then again, up until last week, it was, okay, maybe you're saving this guy for the stretch run. But clearly that's not the case. And it, I keep thinking back to, in situations like this, when you bring in a veteran, a guy who has been a contributor throughout his career, and he's not getting on the fields, even though you, you've seen him be successful in his limited reps during games, why has he not earned more reps? I mean, Bill Belichick doesn't just tell guys they're not going to play if they haven't earned it. If Michael Bennett were going out and practicing, and we don't get to see practice, so we don't know, but if Michael Bennett were earning this in practice, we would not see the consistent decline in reps that he's had in games. So, I mean, look, there's guys like Jordan Richards in the past, they get all this playing time because Belichick likes what they see in practice. That's why I knew a guy like Chase Winovich, even as much, as many bodies, as many quality edge players as they have, I knew Chase Winovich was going to have a role because of everything I heard about the way that this guy practices. So those are the ways that Belichick makes sure he finds a game day role for those types of players. And Bennett, who they gave up, you know, it wasn't a a huge draft asset when they traded for him, but they immediately gave him a raise and they locked in some of that money. So this is a guy that they have invested in and they just haven't put him on the fields. And I think the writing was on the wall with the suspension. And uh, this is, I'm just not sure how he's going to come back from this. Is it going to be more Adelis Thomas or is it going to be more... You know, Darrell Rivas, who got sent home or or told to stay home because he overslept, or is it going to be like, but still came back and played well? Uh, Danny Shelton, who was essentially benched for three games last year, then played really well in the playoffs when he came back. Uh, There are uh, Jabal Sheard, another guy, got left back on a road trip and came back and played pretty well down the stretch. So 
these things are there are different types of disciplinary measures or ways that Belichick has held veterans back. So most of them, or I, I would say you know, the, mo- the majority of the ones I just listed have responded nicely. I just don't know if Bennett is more of an Adalis Thomas type who is going to be more outspoken. It's like a nine-minute monologue there. Uh, yeah, I know. I just kept on going. <laughs> I, I, I was feeling it. Uh, there's a lot there. Um, well, I mean, well, first of all, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I think he's playing well with, when he's out on the field. And really, it's not the role that he typically would have played, you know, in Philadelphia, it was more of what they would call the seven tech or the nine tech, which is, you know, further out positions. Whereas here he's been lining up more often directly over the tackle, eating up some blocks And you know, two of his sacks have come from that position and he's getting pressure from that position as well. But I just don't think that he's eating up those blocks and maybe creating the lanes for the linebackers to flow the way that some of the other guys have. And with the way this defense is built and the way those guys are performing at the at the linebacker spot, you know, I, I think things need to be about them and not necessarily about Michael Bennett. You know, it's if you can get Kyle Van Noy, you know, rushing the passer, get Jamie Collins on, on a clear path, they're doing a much better job at creating pressure and getting sacks and, and wreaking havoc than, you know, Bennett has. And that's just the way that the defense is going to go, I think, from, from here on out. You know, when they brought him in, I think, the idea was to have him go into Trey Flowers' role and they were going to play a four-man front and there was going to be that, you know, seven-tech, nine-tech spots on most snaps. And that's just not how they're playing anymore. And, you know, to, to their defense, when they went out and traded for Bennett and they gave him this raise, they probably didn't know that, you know, Jamie Collins was going to be available. And then you bring Jamie Collins in and you still don't know if he's going to be the guy that buys in and does everything exactly the way you have it drawn up on the page. Or if he's going to be the Jamie Collins that's, you know, kind of aloof and, and does things his own ways, which got him sent to Cleveland the first time around. And, uh, you know, the other interesting thing, too, is you brought up Winovich. And his snap totals have kind of followed the same progression as uh, Michael Bennett's have throughout the season. 56% in the first game, 41, 26, 8%, 28%, and then 28% again which isn't that far off. You know, he played 14 snaps in this last game to get to 28%, and Bennett was at 11. So, you know, just in, in general, that that edge spot where him and Bennett are both playing and, you know, sometimes splitting some of the snaps, some of those plays just aren't there the same way they were in week one when both those guys were over 50% of the snaps. So it's just the defense has changed. It's evolved. And, you know, with the way they're playing, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily blame Bennett for being mad about not playing. I mean, I think you want every player on your team to be mad about not playing if they aren't playing very much. You want guys that want to play football and go out and do things, but you need to have players that, you know, are expressing that in the appropriate way in not snapping out and getting in fights with the coaching staff. You can probably even have that conversation in a productive manner and let them know that like, hey, this isn't what I want to do. Can we try to do something different? And, you know, if you approach it the, the right way, there's probably a constructive conversation to be had there, but you know, the way this has played out is not good. And, you know, I I don't know how much they'll tolerate it. You know, a guy that's playing 11 snaps, if he's getting in arguments with coaches and if this warning shot, you know, if it is just a warning shot and it's not like, let's get this guy sidelined and figure out a way to get him out of here. If it is just like a, hey, go take a week away, get your head right and come back. Hopefully he gets his head right. And 
there is a way that he can be a productive member of this team in a small in a smaller role, but you know it, it's just not going to happen the way he wants it to happen. So, so I know you've taken a closer look at this than I have, but when you looked at his snaps, especially when you were writing about it, did you see? Because you alluded to it, and I wanted to see if you can get more into it if if this information is available. When you watched him play, did you think that he was more about Michael Bennett and trying to get after the quarterback than? the unselfish guy trying to help those linebackers? Uh, you know, again, do you think he was not doing... Like, when you're looking at this stuff, do you think Bill Belichick would be unhappy with the types of things that he was doing on the field? Was he playing selfishly as opposed to for his team? You know, that, that's an interesting way to put it. And, like, I'll, I'll just straight up say that, like, I'm, I'm not smart enough or maybe not confident enough to, to put a take out there in public because... You know, I don't know exactly what he's being asked to do on every play. And you can look at a play where he approaches it one way and Adam Butler approaches it another way, and it might look different. But I don't know if in that specific situation, if it's about, you know, go out and get yours if you can get it or stand back, eat eat the blocks and clear this way for Kyle Van Noy. You know, maybe it's the same exact circumstance and you see Bennett do it one way and Butler do it another. It's just you know, I, I don't, I, I can't know that for sure. You know, just, just kind of watching and I don't want to, I don't want to put out like a wild take out there and, you know, have people think that, you know, I'm saying that he's, he's being selfish or anything. Cause like, that's just beyond probably my capability of, of being able to tell. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's spin it forward a little bit. Cause we know Michael Bennett wouldn't or won't be playing against the jets on Monday night, but Sam Darnold will be playing against the Patriots, but it's not just about Darnold. Uh, it's, I think you're probably going to see Quinn Williams, and he wasn't playing in the first matchup uh, when these two teams faced off a few weeks ago. I'm still not sure. It doesn't look like C.J. Mosley or Henry Anderson are going to be good to go. Both of those guys missed uh, the matchup in the first time around, if I'm not mistaken. I should probably have double-checked that, but we'll go with my gut, and my gut's telling me they weren't playing. So this is... uh, unless those guys get a lot healthier later in this week, uh, a different type of game that you're going to see, especially down in the Meadowlands, where some weird things do tend to happen occasionally, is there any chance the Patriots go down there and fall to 6-1? and one? Uh, No. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, do you think there is? <laughs> no. No, although, look, I, I have, I mean, I've seen some weird stuff happen down there with the... You know, the Chris Jones field goal situation, I don't know, five years ago or whenever that was. Uh, I guess the butt fumble was weird, but that worked in the Patriots' favor. It, when they went down there in 2015 against the Giants, some weird stuff happened. And, uh, you know, the day that was the game that Julian Edelman broke his foot and that whole season changed. But uh, obviously against a different team. But uh, the co-tenants of the Meadowlands or MetLife Stadium, the most boring-looking sporting arena and the planet um it's no i i don't think so look it's not like sam donald's gonna come back and all of a sudden expose a defense that is exposable this is a uh a jets team that is inferior to the patriots and shouldn't really give them i mean maybe they'll give them some trouble because divisional games tend to do that especially on the road and and maybe it won't look perfect for the first half like some of these recent games have been known to do for the Patriots, but uh, whether it's this game or anything in the future, I mean, what are some games that you're looking at spinning it forward? 
uh, the rest of the way that could trip up the Patriots. I mean, we're looking at this team right now, and we see that the Chiefs have a second loss all of a sudden. And you say that the AFC is, is totally in the Patriots' control, which it is. But it's not like, in my opinion, they have a ton of room for error just yet. So, I mean, what do you think? What are you looking at right now down the way? What are some games that sort of excite you? You know, I, I think it's pretty interesting that Kansas City and the Rams, both of them, are, are both like definitely the Rams way more so than Kansas City. But like both those teams after playing the Patriots in the playoffs last year, it seems like there's some things that New England did in those games that everybody else is now doing against those teams to slow them down a little bit. So, I mean, that's kind of, uh, you know, definitely, definitely in the Rams case, like they're they're a very, very weird team right now unfortunately you know we won't see that game so i am looking forward to that kansas city game uh right off the bat that that's probably the one that i have the biggest circle around despite some of the stuff they have going on uh other than that i mean the first one that that kind of like really gets me super excited coming up would be the philadelphia game not to overlook baltimore who you know they've been playing pretty well but you know i i just think that the Patriots are going to do a good job of making Lamar Jackson one-dimensional and taking away some of that that rushing ability, probably more so than other teams. And you know, I just I just think that that's probably going to be a game they win. You know, Dallas all of a sudden that was a game before the season that you were kind of probably looking at that was you know a big game on the schedule, and now they kind of look weird to the point where like you wonder if Jason Garrett's going to make it through the season if things keep going the way it's going, and then. And then Houston, Kansas City, and, you know, the Week 16 game against Buffalo. But, I mean, it's just a weird schedule. I mean, there's just not a whole lot to get excited about. And, you know, I don't think it's just because the Patriots are so good. I think if you took any of the the top five teams in the league and you gave them this schedule, like, the season would kind of just feel the same way. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, you know it's going to end, you know, probably no worse than 13-3. and three, And, you know, how much really matters between now and the playoffs. Uh, you know, we got an article putting it coming out uh, tomorrow. And you kind of, you know, I think explained it the best way that it's just kind of like a huge 17-week tune-up for the playoffs. Yeah, that's all it is. And last season, more than any that I can ever remember, it was was just that. I mean, the Patriots... You know, the years, the first five Super Bowls they won, you could see them coming to an extent. And, you know, we not to re, we could go, I don't want to hit you with another 10 minute monologue. So no, I won't go do. through the first. <laughs> yeah, you want to go make a sandwich or something? Um, I think if you, you look at the first five and you knew, well, I shouldn't say the first one because you didn't know that one was coming. But let's just look at last year with the way that they struggled on the road, with how much of a Jekyll and Hyde team they were, you know, we didn't see that coming going into the playoffs, especially knowing how good the Chiefs and Rams were. You knew that they had a shot, but you weren't... You probably won more money on the Patriots winning the Super Bowl than you might have in, in previous years if you were, you know, throwing some some money down there. But I think for this one, it's... Again, you, you just kind of go back to the tune-up mentality... It's a veteran team. There's a lot of carryover from last season to this season. But you know what? You mentioned if they go 13-3, and three, I mean, look, they're going to beat the Jets. They really should beat the Browns, especially at home. I mean, I can't remember the last time uh, the Patriots lost a home game. And um, so, look, that means they're 8-0. You go into Baltimore, 
And yeah, they could lose that Baltimore game, no question. But I just, we've been saying this over and over again. You hit the Lamar Jackson point. The other side of it is the Baltimore defense isn't nearly as good as it usually is. So there's a very high likelihood of them being 9-0. and If this thing does go from 9-0 and to 13-3, and that means you went 4-3 and in the stretch run. And that means you're going to have a lot more question marks two and a half months from now uh, than we do at this current state. But I think there are... Yeah, they are some pretty interesting games. I mean, yeah, the Philly one. I wanted to highlight the Houston game because, you know, Houston looks better now, of course, that they just went into Kansas City and won that game. But, you know, we know that they've got the pieces on defense. We know that Deshaun Watson can do some special things, and DeAndre Hopkins is out of this world good. But, you know, what is – there's there are some opportunities here, and the – Last season still has some carryover effect in the sense that I want to see them play well on the road. Not that they may necessarily have to go on the road to win any playoff games or anything like that. But look, you look at Baltimore, Philly, Houston, three road games in a four game span. And that's going to tell you a ton about this team. And that brings you right into Kansas City. So... We sit here and we look at the division standings as it relates to home field advantage and all that stuff. And the second best team right now in the AFC is still Buffalo. And I don't expect Buffalo to go 15-1, and one, obviously. But they're still hanging around. So if you even go 3-2 and two during that stretch, you know, what's Buffalo going to do? Their defense is good enough to continue winning games. Maybe Josh Allen pulls a rabbit out of his hat. Again, we're not expecting these things to happen, but... It's uh, there's still some drama out there to be had in the next couple months. I think. I I really appreciate your effort to create drama because drama will probably help us sell subscriptions, and that's good for everybody. There's no way they're gonna go worse than fourteen and two. Like now that I'm looking <laughs> at it, I just don't see it. I just don't see where it's gonna happen. Uh, you know, I I threw out the thirteen and three number because like the hard part about this team is that you want to talk about it like through normal football you know, levels of 13 and three for most teams is like a very, very good season. And you say this team's going to go 13 and three. Like that's a very lofty prediction for any team, even when they're sitting, you know, on on a schedule where it looks like they're probably going to be nine and oh at a certain point. It's just like, you think there's going to be some letdown at some point. I honestly don't know where the letdown is going to come. Like, like every single one of these games, I don't know how many points you would have to give me outside of Kansas City for me to take the other team. Like, it would have to be a very hefty amount of points, I think, in any of the other games. Kansas City, I could see that going either way. It's a home game. Like, I would probably need six points to take the Chiefs. And that's that's a lot of points for, for you know, a Kansas City team. Uh, man, I don't know. I, I just don't, you know, I, I respect Houston as an opponent. Uh, Philly's a good opponent. You know, Buffalo is going to be another tough game. That's a tough game every single time. And, like, that's a team that could probably sneak out a weird win just because of how well they do of, you know, slowing down the offense and and making it very hard. I just don't think that the Buffalo offense could move the ball enough to actually win that game against, you know, this absurd New England defense. So, yeah, 14-2 and is the floor, I think, man. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. It's probably probable if that's a thing that people say but look let's look at i just called up the buffalo schedule and i'm (laughs) i guarantee 
we're going to look back at this conversation and laugh at everything I'm about to say and all the ways that I've been pumping up Buffalo's tires. But that defense is good, and I know we agree on that. But they come out of the bye with a home game against Miami. That's going to be a win. And then they host Philly and Washington in back-to-back weeks. And we know Washington's trash, but you got Philly in the middle of it. Philly should be better than they are. And I, I can't get a handle on what in the world is going on with the Eagles. And the Eagles... I'm not like the Eagles don't suck, but they shouldn't be floundering with Carson Wentz, who so, was oh, a legitimate oh, MVP ooh, candidate. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Are you saying they should have kept Nick Foles? They're just they're they were different with Nick Foles, ooh. and it was I don't know why I can't like Carson Wentz is a better he's a better he's a more talented player, and I can't figure out why there isn't the same continuity from the success they've had in the past with Foles as opposed to Wentz. And then you hear, and who knows, maybe all of this stuff was false, but you heard all the stuff coming out about um, Foles being a better leader than Wentz, and Wentz kind of took that to heart. And so, like, I just, I don't know what's going on with Philly. And this is just total speculation from us being, or from me being removed from the situation and, and not really knowing. But again, like, that's a game that I'm not going to sit here and say that Buffalo is just going to lose to Philly just because Philly won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So let's say, you know, they're 4-1 and one right now. You got two wins coming up with Miami and Washington at home, and then the middle game there is Philly. So at worst, they're going to be 6-2. and two. Yeah, 6-2 and two if I can do some math. Then they go to Cleveland. Then they go to Miami. You know Miami's going to – it should be another win unless Buffalo becomes Buffalo again. Then you got a home game against Denver. You go to Dallas. Who in the, who knows what Dallas is going to be two months from now? Home against Baltimore. On the road against Pittsburgh. Another question mark. And then they finish up with at the Patriots and home against the Jets. So again, this is a Baltimore team that if they win the games that they are supposed to win, and I am basing that entirely off of how good we know their defense is and the fact that that defense has gotten them to a 4-1 record, I mean, that's a team that could... Like, they could be a sneaky 12-win team. And again, I'm fully committing to the fact that we could be laughing hysterically at how dumb I sound two and a half months from now, and I'm cool with that. But it's just, it's a team that I am certainly intrigued by. You have shown, like, a huge affinity for all things Buffalo this year. It's it's awesome. I, I really like it. I've dedication. always loved Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the way that they've started, I, I think they're probably... Definitely a playoff team, right? Yeah, yeah, they should be. I'd be shocked if they didn't make. I shouldn't say I'd be shocked. This is this team is certainly good enough to be in the playoffs as one of the six best teams in the AFC. Like, yeah, all you really need is like one of these like little streaks where you kind of everything goes your way. You win a bunch of games, and if they get the five and one or six and one, I mean six and one, I think it's a lock. They probably make the playoffs, and because you can just kind of play, you know, regular adequate mediocre football and still end up you know 10 and 6 or something and that's usually in most years good enough to make the playoffs I mean their defense is so good that it's hard to see them bottoming out and like you said their schedule is kind of soft so yeah they, they should definitely be in there I mean that, that's a that's a huge game too at the end of the season for the Patriots it, again just because you look back you know two of the last three games like have been really really bad for Brady of course those were in in their building so you know coming up here is going to be a little bit different but you know that that's a that's an interesting game for them uh 
the Nick Foles thing is is I don't know I don't know how far I want to go down that, but I mean it, it is weird that they had issues early last year with Wentz. Foles comes in, things kind of get together for him. It, it's a weird little thing, you know. I think maybe their offense was a little bit more quick striking with Foles under center as opposed to Wentz, and you know that minimized mistakes and just kind of kept the ball moving. And it was just a different type of way of playing. And for whatever reason, I did agree with them, but like intellectually. And, you know, you definitely said this too, like Wentz should definitely 100% be the guy. He should be your franchise quarterback. He should be an MVP candidate every year. And like, it's just not happening for them. So, you know, I'm looking at that game, like through the prism of like, this is what the Eagles should be. And maybe if you're looking at it, you know, honestly is what the Eagles are right now, a three and three team maybe that game like isn't the next one on the schedule that that anybody should be circling maybe that's just like a regular good team and and not this you know contender and they should be a contender yeah i mean i i think i'm giving the venue a little too much credit because i'm just sort of thinking back to this uh this podcast that we're doing here and i'm like oh yeah you know they could potentially lose on the other side of the bye at philly and then i'm like but buffalo might beat them in at Orchard Park. So, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I fully admit that Philly is a team that I have not been able to understand for the last couple of years. And you look at the streaks and the splits with the quarterbacks that they've had, and, and it's just it's a bizarre type of situation. But, you know, looking back at uh, Buffalo one more time and, and their playoff chances, they're 4-1, and one, and then, you know, very realistically are not going to win the AFC East. So what's their wild card competition right now in the AFC North? This behind Baltimore, you've got Pittsburgh and Cleveland both at two and four. In the AFC South, behind Houston, you've got Indy at three and two, and then Jacksonville and Tennessee are both two and four. And then the AFC West, behind Kansas City at four and two, you've got Oakland and the Chargers, or I'm sorry, Oakland at three and two, and then the Chargers and Broncos at two and four. So this is uh, there are seven teams right now that could that are basically in the playoff hunt and we'll see if another one of these teams goes on a run but when one of those seven teams is the Oakland Raiders then you look you can kind of look at what the field is probably going to be and that's going to be New England Baltimore Houston and Kansas City as the division winners and then you've got Buffalo and Indy that have the early inside track at the wild card spots so I mean uh, this is it's setting up nicely for Buffalo the thing that's tough for them this season is they're in the same division as the Patriots. And even if they do go out and win double digit games, they're opening the playoffs on the road. So Monday night, will you be listening to a version of the broadcast through some headphones? I I, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't. Mm. I might. I, I'm sure you will. I can tell how excited <laughs> you are about it. I don't know. I think next week we should just we should just bump out you know Tim Graham and those fellas up in Buffalo and just start our own Bills podcast. Yeah, no, I I think that you're kind of angling for I don't want to say pandering, but I mean you're definitely after the Bills fans. (laughs) They, I mean, I might be a hero in Buffalo with with how nice I've been to the Bills. I mean, I think that's fair. It's not unfair. All right, you good? I'm good. All right, well, that's it for the Razor Show, which involved a lot of a lot of toes and a lot of different pools of water. But we hope you guys enjoy the weekend, the Monday night game, and we'll hit you back next week. <laughs>